This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, podcast episode number 81, brought to us by the great people at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app. NBA action is still alive. They're missing one team. Who's that team? Ah! They're missing the 76ers, but we carry on. And today, a very special podcast with a very special guest. Let's get right to it. We are still feeling the pain of the Sixers being eliminated. And we got a guy who's going to explain that pain directly to us. He, of course, uh, is uh, one of the, the, the great TV personalities of all time. We had him many times on the show. He would uh, do a co-hosting uh, situation with me. I missed that. But now it's good to hook up with him for the first time on the Mike Missinelli podcast. The great Charles Barkley joins us. Chuck, how you feeling? Well, uh, number one, thank you for the kind words. Man, can you believe what happened to our Sixers in game six and seven? Like, you know, that game five performance was incredible. And I was like, shit, they might win this series. And I was like, okay, because that was that was probably one of the best games I saw them play all year. And I'm like, well, now game six is game seven. They got zero chance in game seven, zero. And to see them come out and play like they did in game six, I was so disappointed, Mike. I'm not going to lie, because I was like, Damn, I'm going to get to sleep in my own bed during the conference finals. That's going to be cool. I got all the golf courses set up. I'm going to call my boy Missanelli. He's going to get me out there. I'm going to kick his ass on the golf course. And then within 48 hours, you're like, this is not the same team that played in game five. I'm not going to lie, Mike. I was totally shocked how they played in game six after they played so great in game, game five. 
Charles, I got to be honest with you. After game seven, I was extremely disappointed the game wasn't on TNT because the one thing I wanted to hear was you talk about it after the game. And see, now we got a couple days to digest it. But like your immediate reaction probably would have been livid. So I'm, I'm going to let you. We'll go back to game six in a second. But the, the, when you watched game seven as a competitive athlete, as, as hard of a competitor you were, what were you thinking watching that game? I was. I was so pissed off and disappointed for a couple of reasons because you could tell their heart wasn't in game seven. They knew that they had to win game six. Because you could just tell by their, their effort. They're like, oh, man, they know they blew this series in game six. I was disappointed for for James and and Embiid because they didn't lead. Um, I was really probably more disappointed than Joel, to be honest with you. Because, you know, James did his part now, Mike. He won two games. And he won two out of the four they needed, which is what you want from your secondary player. I thought Joel only played good in the one game, game five, and led by example. He was awesome. Uh, But game seven, they packed it in, man. They didn't – no heart. Just very disappointing to watch. Um. Uh, and, and like I said, I was more mad than anything because I had to pack up my crap and come to Boston. Because uh, I was like, wait a minute, this is not the same team that played Friday, uh, like Wednesday before. I mean, I'm like, come on, man. I was like, not only that, I said, this team could actually win a championship the way they played in game five. Because that was the best I've seen them play all year. And then to come out and stink up the joint, really in game six, because they – if, when Tatum couldn't make a shot, they should have been up double digits. I mean, they should have been up double digits easily. It should have never came down to Jason Tatum going crazy the last three to five minutes. You know, he was one for like 14. They should have been up by 10 points. And then to let him go crazy down the stretch. But like I say, hey, man, I I did bet my house. I would have bet all my houses on Boston in game seven. Because the Sixers had zero, zero chance in game seven. I, I get that part, and maybe they wouldn't have won. But but here's the thing that I've looked at after being an observer of sports and played sports all my life. Like, how does it happen when two supposed star players don't seem willing to compete? What is that mentality? I mean, you don't know that mentality. Shaq doesn't know that mentality. How could two guys as accomplished as Embiid and Harden just not be willing to compete? That's what happened in that game seven. Yeah, that's what happened. They packed it in. Uh, I that that was distressing. Number one, distressing going forward. Cause now you got to make some big decisions uh, on your team. Um, I think the, the Harden situation is very easy. And um, they got to elevate Maxi, but I think that the, the Harden decision is very easy. I think they got to move on from James. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, like if they do something stupid, like extend him, that'll be, that'll be the end of the Sixers for the next five years. Um, uh, but, but that's the big decision they got to make. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult, but they got to move on from James Harden. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk about that in a second. I'm just trying to relate to you and guys like Shaq. And, um, so you're going up against Michael Jordan playing with the Phoenix Suns. And this is the moment of truth. Yes. 
And a great athlete feels that moment of truth. So tell me what was going through your body and your brain that day that wouldn't translate to if, that Embiid and Harden feel in the same way. Well, if I was Joel, uh, I've actually been in Joel's situation before. The year I won MVP in Phoenix, I was like, no, we're not losing. Because remember, people forget, we lost the first two home games to the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to win MVP and be get and not get my trophy in front of a crowd. I'm not going to do that. And so when we, we went to L.A. and won the next two games, and obviously won game five, I was like, we're not losing the first round of damn playoffs and I get MVP. That makes you look like a loser. And then the next round of the playoffs, we played the Spurs and uh, against David Robinson, and it was an epic six-game series. I was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to lose this series. And then the game seven, which is the best game I ever played in the next series, uh, to pick it back on your point, I was like, I remember I was talking to Frank Johnson on my way back. We had just lost game six in Seattle. And I said, Frank, and it was a it's a long trip from Seattle. If you might have been from Seattle. Seattle's in the middle of damn nowhere. Great city, though. Should have an NBA team. Mm. And I remember I called Frank to the front of the plane. I said, Frank, I got 48 hours to get these guys' mind back in the game. What should I do? He says, I'm not even worried about game seven. We're going to be all right. I said, what do you mean? He says, Chuck, you got one game to get to the finals. You ain't never been to the finals. You told me we were going to the finals when you got here the first day. He says, all you got to do is play the best game you ever played. The rest of these guys are going to follow. And I said, what? He said, Chuck, this team going to do whatever you do, whether you quit or not, to piggyback on your point, Mike. Uh, and Frank said to me, he said, Chuck, you play the best game you ever played in your life. The rest of us going to follow. And, Mike, I had 46 and 24. That's the best game I ever played in my life. And um, we made it to the finals, obviously. But your point is well. All right, so what's that say about Embiid then? Hey, I know what it says hey, about Harden. I, I, I've hey, seen hey, it before. But what's I, that say about Embiid? I was very disappointed, Joel Embiid. I'm not going to lie because I told you, uh, James Harden, he won two games for the Sixers. He won two games. If you're expecting – your second best player to win you more than two games in a seven-game series, you're mistaken. Joel, to me, only played well in the one game, game five. That's the only game, in my opinion, he played well. I give him more to blame than I do James. I really do. James won two games for you guys. What is I don't know if you've talked to Shaq about what is what is Shaq spitting out about Embiid's performance in that game seven? Oh, he wasn't happy uh, because <laughs> it, you know it's compounded by how well the Joker is playing too. That's the uh, that's the other elephant in the room because yo man, this dude, you know we've been having this debate all year who only who the MVP is. And one MVP is out there just kicking ass every single game, Mike. I will tell you, this is this is now, like I say, I'm not gonna get into the injuries and things like that. I mean, because I mean that's some part of it. But after it's a fair question, like yo, man, 
you only had one good game in a seven game series. Uh, you, you, you didn't play, but you didn't play obviously game one, but for, for, but for realistic standpoint, you only had one good game in seven, basically. And this other guy here, he just out here, just kicking ass and taking names, Mike. I mean, I said about a week ago, I says, man, if you guys don't appreciate this man, the Joker, and I don't let Mike, they're going to win the world championship. I said that a month ago. I said, the Denver Nuggets are going to win the championship. And yeah, I agree. I already bet them yeah. <laughs> to win the series. So, so let's, uh, let's now, uh, okay. So Doc gets zipped yesterday, which, you know, I, I, I kind of expected it. Um, the, the record catches up with him. And when you get drubbed like that, like had it been a close game and they lost on the last second shot, maybe he survives. But uh, first of all, your opinion on them firing Doc and, and where do they go from here? Well, it's probably going to be the most what well, the two most important decisions are James and a new coach. Uh, that's the most important decision. These are huge because Joel is still in his prime. I like Maxi. I like Tobias Harris. I actually think the team is going to be in better shape next year. Once that's my personal opinion, because they got to get rid of Harden because he just drags everything down. Talking about it all the time, but. I think it was time for a change with Doc because they needed another voice. They need it's three years in a row they've been in the exact same situation. They had to try some different look, try something different, and you can't change all the players. So uh I wonder if they're gonna go with a retread, which there are some good retreads out there. Are they gonna try to do something new? That's a really important question uh i'm not sure how it's gonna work but man because i you know who do you like who do you as the retro we get that bud is an accomplished coach nick nurse is an accomplished coach uh monty williams is an accomplished coach i mean these are all guys that have won I, if i had uh, out of the guys you mentioned nick nurse would probably be my personal favorite i'm a big nerd nick nurse guy if you're going to go with one of the retreads. Okay. And if you're going to go new, does Cassell get a shot? Is it, do you trust Cassell at this point or is it too, too new for him? You know, that's a big question. You got to ask yourself because the Sixers are ready to win now. I mean, the Sixers, let's be realistic. They're going to be, well, they one have of, to, with them be, they have, they don't have time to not to win now. They don't. I mean, I think Joel's probably got another three or four MVP type years in him. Same thing with Tobias and Max is coming into his prime. Uh, that's going to be a quick learning curve for Sam. As you see, Joe Mazzulla's had some missteps along the way. Cause like it's different between being the assistant and being like trying to win the championship. So uh, man, it's gonna be very. It's a big decision, but that, but the biggest decision is James Harden. The Sixers, in my opinion, got to move on from James. All right, now how does that work? How do they move on from? He's got a player option. Do they sign and trade? Does he just say I'm going to walk because I got another offer somewhere else? And then where would they go from there if they don't have a Harden? Who would they get into that spot? Well, I don't think it'd be hard to replace that situation. Because all you're going to do is give Maxi 
and Tobias Harris more responsibility. You know, because they're going to – first of all, I think they'll play better if James is not dominating the ball all the time. You actually – I used to, look at this, Mike. Did you see how the Phoenix Suns played when Cameron Payne went in there instead of Chris Paul? They yep. played a lot faster, and it really made them – I mean, they got beat by a better team. But to beat the Clippers and have success against the Nuggets, they played much better with Payne in there. Because he didn't, because uh, Chris Paul wants to dominate the ball all the time. Now, is Payne a better player than Chris Paul? Hell no. But to me, the Sixers don't have to get a player as good as James. They have to get a player who's going to distribute the ball to Maxi, Tobias, and, and Joel even more. So I think that's going to help them in the long run. So you think they'll be okay? I think they will be okay. They got to, they got to get some better players. I, I like Reed coming off the bench. They got they got to fortify their bench, but they, the, the elephant in the room is the James Harden situation. You can't have, like, even though I say he won two games, you can't have him playing two out of seven good games, Mike. <laughs> you can't have that. Well, well, yeah, it was it was three games between when he played well. So, and he's not getting any younger. He's like batteries that are running out of juice. I get it. hundred percent. I agree with you. I, they can't possibly have him back next year after the bitter the bitter taste of Game Seven. They have to have him be back because they can't do anything about it. Let me ask you about these coaches and how much they really impact the game these days. You know this better than anybody. This is a players' league. So, uh, does another coach even make a difference? If, if players aren't willing to accept their own responsibility to get get the job done? Well, I, I think that, in my opinion, that was one of Doc's faults. He didn't hold them more accountable. If you go back, this, this whole debacle started with Ben Simmons. Remember, that's when the whole thing started. Uh-huh. I thought Doc defended Ben Simmons way too much, way too much when he was struggling instead of saying, no, Ben's got to do better. And then if you go back to that press conference, Doc should have said, Ben has to get better for us to be a championship team. He's never really said that publicly. He's always defended, defended guys. Even, uh, even when James Harden had like one good game, Doc says, you guys always talk about the bad games he have. I'm like, yeah, Doc, that's our job. We don't get to praise him when he has good games. The guy had two good games out of seven. That's not a good ratio. That Hey, listen, that might get you $25, $30 million a year in baseball, but two out of seven ain't going to get you no damn – no, no got to win no championship. So I thought Doc should have been holding those guys more accountable. You know, but you know how this goes in this league. No, 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 you no. Guys, you no. hold guys accountable. They quit on you because they're babies. Well, they quit anyway, Mike. They quit anyway. <laughs> but that goes so back to my on that note because I said the same thing in Game Seven when it was clear Harden doesn't want to play. Like if I'm Doc, I'm turning to my assistants. Go, hey, I want to play today. Because should he have made a bold move and said, "Okay, I got to bench him." And yes, run the yes, exactly right, team. Mike. Exactly right. But that goes back to the answer question. Yes, coaches. Sometimes coaches have to say, "Hey, you know what." I might as well go with the guys who are going to bust their balls, bust their balls, because like, we're not going to win. You know, go back. Remember when Tom Thibodeau benched that, uh, Julius Randle? That's uh-huh. it, like, and the Knicks won the game? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. man, those are the decisions you have to make. You think Doc right now says, damn, I shouldn't have rode with 
James, and I might have sent a message to Joel. Yo, man, if you ain't going to play, we're getting our ass kicked. I'd rather lose. At least if I was like, hey, those guys weren't playing. We were going to lose anyway. At least I'm going to play with guys who are out there busting it. Yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, coaching does make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, he should have saw that in the third quarter. And a guy's accomplished as Doc shouldn't have worried, been worrying about his job or worried about Harden's feelings. Oh, I agree with that uh, in that situation. Uh, okay, so you don't think that – that because a lot of people in Philly, I mean, you know how this town is. They are – they're shell-shocked. They think it's all over. They think the process is over. they got to bust up everything. But you're saying they're okay. Even if they lose Harden, and that's got to be necessary, that they're okay with Maxie and Tobias taking a bigger role in the last year of his contract. Yeah, because first of all, I'm a big Maxi fan. And uh, like I say, it'll be suicide to get – like James going to have to take that option. He's not going to get that type of money. Now, I know he's going to want an extension, which actually – the only way that'll work – that actually could work out good for the Sixers if they do a trade beforehand – and extend James, but somebody else be paying the money. That could actually be a win-win. But I don't see any team want James for long-term money at this stage of his career. Well, that's what I think. I guess he thinks that. I don't think that. So, hey, Mike, so maybe- hey, hey, everybody think they're married to a Playboy bunny. Most people married to rabbits, brother. Don't forget that, okay? Hey. Well, that's what I'm saying, Charles. The only thing that might be available to him is this player option that he that he could accept. That's, that, that's, that's the only. That's, I'm saying that's the only thing he could. That's the only thing he better take it because he's not going to get that money anywhere. But but then that point, means he's back. Yeah. Well. Okay. But what if they meet behind the scenes, give him another year, so he have two years. And they've worked a trade out to send him somewhere else, and the Sixers can get some good young players for him. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna extend James with the Sixers. That'd be suicide, okay? But if he signs a one year deal, and he says, "Hey, I want to at least get paid for another year," but we already have a trade worked out. That's the only way I can see the Sixers extending him. If the Sixers extend him and have to keep him, that would be stupid. Yeah, I agree. Let me move into some other areas. I got so much to talk to you about, and I haven't heard your opinion on the John Morant situation. He takes it another bite of the apple. I, I, I mean, I don't understand how he doesn't shut down cameras. Forget the behavior part of it, but he's got guys filming. And I, what, what is wrong with the kid? Well, number one, the kid clearly got some issues. Uh, this is so stupid, Mike. Uh, I, I can't even put into words how stupid it is, and. What's even more stupid, it's like, yo, man, these your friends filming you? These are your friends? They said, like, I'm glad I don't have no friends like that. I'm like, who is he hanging out with? Steven Spielberg? Antoine Fuqua? These guys, what, they think they're making movies? I'm like, come on, man. Like, he first of all, he's stupid for doing it again. And if you think these people around you are your friends and they're filming you. Now, I think I saw a stat. He lost $600,000 last time for eight games. This is probably going to be 20, 
25. Do you think it'll be only 2025? Mean, Adam Silver's been humiliated here. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he bangs him for a half a year. I, you know, I I don't know the answer to that, but I'm saying I, I I'm I'm like I say we are guessing now. I'm saying bottom in 2025 games. Probably gonna be if eight games was six hundred thousand dollars, twenty to twenty five games gonna be millions, and I it's hard to understand. Part of you feel sad because. Clearly something's wrong mentally with the kid because this is like the third or fourth gun incident. Only two of them been caught on camera. Uh, But you said, man, it's something wrong with this kid. You wonder where his dad is. His dad needs to get his head out of his ass. You know, he's running around at all the NBA games, sitting on the front row. Like, I'm John Morant's dad. And he didn't say anything the first time. He hasn't said anything the second time. And you wonder, like, yo, man, you're supposed to be this kid's dad. What the hell are you actually doing instead of living off his money, going to NBA games, sitting on the front row, walking around the whole time so everybody can see you're John Morant's dad? So you said to yourself, man, what the – is going on. And like I say, you know, Mike, you had a very good point. And Ja don't have a leg to stand on because he has humiliated Adam Silver. You know, Adam Silver let him get away with murder the first time. Yeah, he did. Yes, he he's did. Like, cause, I mean, yeah, he's he, like, he comes out with the same apology. I, I have to do better, blah, blah, blah. Like at that point, you got to go, okay, I, I don't want to hear that again. So here's half a year. Uh, well, so, we'll like I said, and, 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 and there's nothing the players or the players association could say. They like, yeah. Adam's gonna be like, yo, man, I gave him a chance. I gave him a little light tap on the wrist the first time, and he comes back and spits in my face. He's dancing on camera again. He's got Spielberg and Antoine Fuqua feminine, like they're they're making a a, a hip hop video or a gangster movie, and I'm like. What is Adam Silver supposed to do? And yeah. like I say, it's going to be big, whatever it is. It's going to cost him millions. And think about this. A couple companies dropped him the first time, costing him millions. Now, it's going to be very interesting what Nike decides to do. Nike stuck by him the first time. So... Man, I, this is going to have major repercussions. Like, and I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, a couple companies are going to drop. Charles, let me let me bring it back to the show, your show. And I'm I was half serious when I said that people are disappointed now that the game's on ESPN, for, not because of the game part, but because of you guys. Uh, it's, I'm reading all these tweets. Oh man, I wish the game was on TNT so I could hear those guys talk. Um, the game is secondary to you guys now. Uh, what does that feel like? I mean, you, you've got to feel that kind of love from 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 the public at this point. Well, it, Mike, it's, it, it's interesting you say that because I'm concerned about that because the product is supposed to be the most important thing. And I will say now, 
I'm not happy with our product. And I saw a thing that really bothered me. So ESPN, which is our partner, did you know the women's Final Four game, um, South Carolina against Iowa, beat every ESPN men's basketball game in the pros this year? Yep. That concerned me a great deal. I don't know how it fared against us, but somebody shared the stat that the South – and obviously the championship game did even better. When we get to a point, no disrespecting women, I love me some Don Staley, Caitlin Clark, April, the Reese young lady, but when women's college basketball starts outdrawing the NBA with the players we got, we need to take a look at our product. Um, we really need to say, yo, man, why not people like I said, yeah, it's easy. It's just become a three-point shooting contest every night. There's no strategy. Teams just come to the gym and say, hey, I'm just going to jack up as many threes as possible. Uh, Joel, you know, he gets mad with me and Shaq criticizes him. He's like, yo, man, they want you to shoot threes. They want you to post up at the top of the key. You're the best player in the world when you're on the box. Nobody can stop you. They're going to have to double you. But for some reason, whether it's the coach or yourself, they let you float out and get the ball in bad positions. Like the first couple of games against the Celtics, I'm like, yo, man, why is he getting the ball at the top of the key or at the free throw line? That's not good. Joel, go down to the box, man. That's where you can go. They gonna, you're going to force you to double every time, blah, 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 blah. And they're going to foul you every time. They're going to foul you every time. And you're a great free throw shooter, which is unusual for big guys. But to answer your original question, man, it, it, it really starting to say something about our product. Well, we've become yeah, I like, get that, but, you're, but the show, I think my point was the show is really good. Yeah, the show and, is and good. Here's why, here's why it is. Like, because to you guys with that impromptu Anthony Davis moment the other day, when uh, he gets taken off in a wheelchair and you got, I know exactly what's going through both of your heads and you do it subtly where he grabs a piece of paper and you start laughing and then Kenny gets the, the chair and readjusts it. That's the golden moment of the show. It's like so impromptu, but it's hysterical. Well, you know, because like Anthony Davis is a, a very good player, but he's really inconsistent and man, who do you think on the floor more, him or Joel? I mean, it's a toss up, isn't it? Well, Both of these guys. He all goes to the floor, but doesn't get as hurt as Anthony did. He doesn't get as hurt as Anthony, but every time Anthony goes down, we're like, is he going to make it? Is he like, it's, it's, he's dead. I mean, it's the like. The joke of it is what's I know. so hysterical about but, <laughs> and, 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 you know, some people said we shouldn't be making fun because he had a concussion. I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, the coach, Darwin Ham, said he was okay before we start making fun of him. Like, we don't want anybody to have a concussion. But once he's – the coach said he was all right. We're like, now he's in a wheelchair? The coach said he was all right. But, hey, man, it should be fun, though, Mike. It's just basketball. We're not saving the world. Yeah, I, I, I got you. Uh, listen, I, I read a story recently because a lot of people don't know how this was all put together. And, and, you know, you were together with Kenny, and all of a sudden Shaq comes on board. And so the story I read was that, you know, you guys had had a brawl, semi-brawl in a game, and, and then all of a sudden your moms patch it up. And then in San Antonio, you're with a TNT producer, and Shaq goes by in a limo, and he gets out of the limo, and he tackles you in the parking lot. Yeah. And that. That's a true story. And that and the producer saw that and said, those guys would be magic on TV. 
Well, so most people don't know this. Uh, Shaq's mom and my mom were best friends forever. And there's another lady in the triplets, I call them, named Martha Corman. So I had known Shaq's mom for probably 20-some years. She would come to Alabama, visit all the time. My mom would go on vacation with him all the time. And I knew Shaq a little bit because uh, I, I was on the backside of my career, and I only saw him when we were actually playing games. So our moms were together all the time. And in and, and fairness to her mom, her and Miss Martha, they came and spent my mom's last few days with her uh, before she passed away a, a few years ago. So she's been a special person. But then we got to fighting in the game. And it was typical NBA fight. Guys who can't fight, who are just kind of holding each other, and they're going to break it up quickly. Because I'm not going to fight fight that big SOB in the street anywhere where people ain't going to break it up quickly. And we actually went out to dinner. His mom, my mom called me, and his mom called him in the locker room after the game saying, if y'all ever do that again, we'll kill y'all. And we ended up going out to dinner that night, Mike, We uh, after that fight. Uh, but So we've been together for a long time, man. I got a lot of love for Shaq. He's a, I've learned a lot from him in the business world. He's a great businessman. Uh, you know, he did this thing. We were talking about it on the show the other night because, Kenny, we were talking about all the things that we've learned from each other. So I was at the hotel probably three or four years ago, and Shaq was there, and he had all these people there. And I said, Shaq, who are those people? He says, well, these are all the people I do commercials for. And I'm like, what? He says, once a year I have a round table where all the people I work with, I bring them together and say, hey, how can I make this relationship better for all of us? And I was like, man, that's a good damn idea. I mean, because, you know, he got 100 commercials. And to get those people together once a year and say, hey, how can I make things better? I was like, damn, that's a great idea. And uh, things like that I've learned from him. Uh, I, I'm going to use it going forward. And I... I I talked to the people I work with. I said, hey, we're in a relationship. I don't want to just do the commercial and take your money. How can I make the relationship better? And it's really benefited me, uh, to be honest with you, Mike. Well, listen, the, the chemistry is just fabulous. Now, let me get to your career because not too long ago, I'm not working past 60. First of all, TNT will pay you any price that you name to keep you there. So you can, you can work till you're 90. And, say, and secondly, all of a sudden, this, here comes this CNN primetime show with Gail King. For a guy that didn't want to work past 60, you're adding jobs. Well, you know, okay, so Mike, number one, I'm only going to work a couple more years. I told you that. The deal I made with TNT. So, you know, we're getting ready to bid on the NBA again. So we have two more years after this year. And we pay about $2.5 billion a year, same as ESPN. The new bidding is going to start around $4 billion. Uh, which is, whew, man, crazy, isn't it? So the new bidding is going to start around $4 billion. So TNT, I told them, I said, hey, guys, y'all know this is my last year. They're like, no, 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 you can't retire. We need you right now. And they says, can you stay on until we get the new deal done? And I says, you know what? That's fair. You guys have been great to me. I think I've been great for you guys. I don't want to leave you hanging. I don't want you writing a check for $4 billion if I ain't going to be here. 
But it's going to be a bid war because I know Apple wants to get in. I know Amazon wants to get in. So it's going to be a bidding war going forward. I told them I would stay at least until they got the new deal done. So I'm looking at another two or three years, Mike, to be honest with you. Now, as far as the Gail King thing, I don't want to be on TV more, to be honest with you. But my boss asked me, he says, hey, we need something. We're in last freaking place. We need something that might get some, garner some attention. But you go on TV more. I said, absolutely not. I would not go on TV more. He says, what if we found you a co-host one day a week, one day a week? I said, I would consider that. But it had to be somebody I really like. And he, when he, he came from CBS, he said, what about Gail King? And me and Gail have been cool for a long time, Mike. I said, I would consider it with Gail, only Gail, nobody else. So me and Gail got together and she said, Charles, I don't want to be on TV more. I said, Gail, I don't want to be on TV more either. She says, I'm only even considering this because I said, Gail, same thing with me. And I says, we're not going to work every night. I said, hell no, we're not working every night. And she says, would you consider one day a week? I said, I would consider one day a week with you, Gail. Uh, and it's going to start sometime in the fall. It's going to be about what's happening in the world today, Mike. I mean, you know, Gail sent me a text a couple of days ago. She says, if we were on TV right now, we'd be talking about John Morant. I said, you damn right. But that's the show format. It's not going to be political. It's just going to be two friends talking about whatever's going on in the world. You know, we'd probably be talking about the Aaron Judge situation. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you're really a baseball guy, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that situation. Because well, he, like, he, he peaked at something. I don't know what he was peaking at, whether he was stealing a every sign. Pitch, or, was stealing every a, pitch, Mike. Every pitch, Mike. He was stealing a sign. But, you know, they haven't been able to get him out anyway. So <laughs> what's the difference? But I, I, I've never seen – like, I've, I w- I've been traveling – I'm going to call a couple of my baseball friends and say, yo, man, because like I say, I never want to be one of these jackasses on television to act like he knows everything about every sport. You know, I never want to do that. So I'm going to call actual baseball people. I'm like, yo, man, tell me as a guy, I'm going to call Eduardo Perez. That's who I'm going to call and say, hey, man, tell me what happened here because I know people steal signs. We had the garbage can debacle. I know that, you know, they tell me sometimes you have to really be careful of the guy on sucker base because he's relay, relaying signs. So I've heard that. But I've never seen a guy so blatant to look in the dugout every pitch. I've never seen that, Mike. <laughs> well, you know what has to happen. That's why baseball is great because it's self-policing. he got to go down. Yeah, that picture's got – It should have went down yesterday, correct? Yeah. Well, that's what I'd say. When that's happening, he got to go down. Now, I don't know what the situation yeah. – how many people are on base, but that's why baseball's so great. You did it to me, I got this weapon. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've never seen it that that – if that's what's going on. He said he heard somebody tripping in the dugout. Yeah. I could see that happening one time, but to look over there every pitch, I'm like, yo, man. There's something oh, shady going on great. here. This, this show's going to be great because you're going to kick around stuff like that. I think it's going to be like freewheeling. But she, you're going to hear a few things times from Gail. She's going to mother you. She's going to go, all now, Charles. You're going to hear that a few times. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? Yes, for sure. But <laughs> when we had, she says, 
Okay, I'll give you an example. So when we met, the Tiger one, Tiger Woods tampon thing had just happened. And I I was on my podcast, and I had went ballistic saying he shouldn't apologize. I said, Tiger, don't apologize. It was two friends being silly and stupid, which <laughs> I've done that. Hey, Mike, I've done that prank 25 times. And I've seen it done. And that's when you're playing a match that, no, that the world's not looking in on, though. Yes. Charles, come on. You can't do it. No, no, no. A tournament? With you the, you with thought the he should have. watching? You can't do the tampon trick. Mike, did you see the, the thing? Somebody caught him. They could only get the TAP. He did it so discreetly. He didn't, like, flip the guy a tampon in wide open spaces in front of five, ten thousand 10,000 people. He slid it, and some fool happened to be taking a picture of Tiger at the exact same time who saw the, saw the letters T-A-M-P on there. No, like he wasn't like if Tiger had to flip the tampon to Justin in front of a big crowd, that might have been different. But to gently slip a tampon, like I say, come was the child in yes, was it in the no. Dude, come on, Mike? Like, no, I'm a Mike, the hey, if there's a Mike, camera on, we're not gun. gonna be hey, we're not gonna be canceling people for stupidity, okay? <laughs> we're not gonna do that. I'm sick of this BS that we got going around in the country right now. We you can't even crack jokes anymore. Good, good. This is bad. You know that when those guys are playing a match in Florida at their club, they're doing that all the time. You can't. Yes. You can't do it in a televised tournament. Hey, Darren. <laughs> Darren's walking Darren. away. I'm all with you, Charles. I'm all with you. I think it's a prank. It's fun. It's just between two Thank guys. Thank you, Darren. It's, first stop, of all, it doesn't man. matter. No, no, no. Charles, 100% right here because I laughed at that. 100%. You Charles is not 100% right all the time. You're Mike, and, and no, you know what? I'm not right 100% of the time. Mike, I want to ask you a question. And Charles, Mike's Mr. Country Club. He's Mr. High Society. That's what his problem is. I've seen pranks on the on that golf course all the time at a country club. I get it. Not on TV. And you laughed. Mike, did you laugh when you saw that? I probably did. And I'm ashamed that I laughed. But I didn't do it on that. Oh my God. We can't, we can't, we can't laugh anymore in this country. No, we can laugh. It's just not on national TV when there's cameras on you. Oh my God. You can't do that on TNT. Don't on TNT. Hey Kenny. That shot you had today. Here, I got a gift for you. Can you do that on TNT? Listen, no, I can crack it. Listen, man, we're not Mike. We're not going to counsel people for having fun. We got, we got to stop that. We want to counsel and fire everybody now. Yeah. No, I like, come on, I, man. What happened? Hey, listen, I, I'm a firm believer in firing people if they cross a line they can't come back from. I don't. But we're trying to. Count- I'm just saying it's, it's bad taste on national TV. It, 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 first of all, you could you could barely see it. How about <laughs> it, you were staring and you had a camera focused oh, on his hand? Crazy. There's no way anybody knew what that was. No yeah. one. Stop it, Mike. <laughs> Mike. Mike. Stop being being. Stop being woke. Okay. <laughs> stop being woke. Listen, uh, I, I I know I saw your boy Kenny Kenny stepping out with Starlets on Miami Beach, huh? You like you like that little well, action, didn't you? I, I, I'm just, you know, I told Kenny, it's been a long time since I can't remember. I won't even take my shirt off in public anymore. I got a poke. I got a, 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 a t-shirt on. If I go in the pool, I probably got, I had a t-shirt waiting right by the, by the edge of the pool. I was impressed that Kenny took his shirt off in public. 
Now, the girl was impressive, I will admit. But you know what I told him? I says, you don't even speak Spanish. What the hell do y'all be talking about? Hey, I, when I, I saw the first of all, she was a beautiful young lady. Yes, she was. But uh, her, I guess she's a social influencer, uh-huh. whatever the hell that is. Yep, Every time I hear, when even when I'm watching watching things, they're like, well, they're, they're a social influencer. I still don't know what the hell that means. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know what it means either. But, but, but good for- yeah, but all her stuff was in Spanish. I said, dude, you don't know Spanish. Good for good for. I said, you, you, guys, you guys held back. Yeah. You guys pulled off them. I thought that was uh, admirable of you because you could have milked that for a, a long time. Now speaking. Oh of you yeah, on no TV, question. Speaking of you on TV, man, I, I Twitter guy, and I've texted you a couple times. First of all, your weight loss is, is amazing, right? And I'm looking Thank at you, you right now on the on the computer screen. You look thinner on this computer screen than you do on TV, and you've lost like sixty pounds. And you do it with intermittent fasting. Is that the way you do it? Yeah, well, I, I've been taking this drug, drug called Manjuro also. Uh, my doctor prefer, you know, a lot of people are doing Ozempic. My daughter didn't like Ozempic. Uh, my, my, my doctor didn't. She said she didn't like the side effect. So I've been doing it with Manjuro. But also I've been doing the fasting thing where you one time a day between 5 and 8. Uh, I'm down right at 60 now. I started at 352. Uh, last week I weighed uh, two fifty five. You know, uh, she says she don't think I can get to my playing weight, which is two fifty. But I'm gonna get to. Uh, we want to get me to two seventy. So, like I say, when I got my hips, I got up to three fifty two at my peak. So I started the fasting thing, and I start like I was only hungry like the first two weeks to be honest with you Mike and what was really crazy when I ate my one time a day I was eating like two meals and now I'm down to like I can eat a normal meal and I'm good but also I want to give credit to the drug Manjuro which has been great for me but like I say my I'm going to get down to 270 uh, like I said, I can't get to 250 but if I get to 270 I feel really good I'm starting to feel like a human being again because you don't realize how shitty you feel, to be honest with you, until you start losing weight. Like, I was like, man, once I lost, like, the first 20, 30, 40, 50, I was like, man, I feel better. I don't get tired. Uh, so, so man, uh, shout out to my doctor and uh, and Manjuro. Yeah, your, your your face is as thin as, as the, the past the, when the Mo- Moses get, get your fat ass in shape days, when when – when you got your fat ass in shape and you got real thin, that's the way your face is looking now. Hey, you know what's funny about that, Mike? I was talking about, we were out smoking cigars the other night, getting drunk. You know I love cigars. And we were talking about Zion Williamson. And I says, man, I got in shape for $2 million. <laughs> you know how much shape I'd get in for $200 million? I was like, damn, dude. My first contract was four years, $2 million, and Moses called me a fat ass, and I got in shape. Zion's kicking in five years, $230 million next year. I'm like, yo, man, I would be anorexic in this mofo for $225 million. I'd never eat again. See, that's the difference I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I hope, I, I, I hope somebody gets in his ear and say, yo, man, you're, you're, like, you're going to waste your whole career screwing around, not getting in shape. Because at some point, he's not going to get healthy. Because if you keep uh, – I t- I used to buy uh, the analogy on legs. 
if they're like car tires, if you keep blowing out car tires, at some point your car ain't gonna work like it used to. And you know, he's going on five years now, maybe even six years, where he has not played basketball yeah. and his tires are always flat. Yeah, yeah he, and man, he was ready, I, he was ready I, to I, play. He was ready to play, but he wasn't feeling like Zion, so he couldn't play. Yeah, that yeah, and, and I'm not even sure what that means. Uh, not one. <laughs> all right, man. Listen, two, just two quick things. First of all, the wardrobe. I got to know you, you. You're blowing Jay Wright away with the wardrobe every night. So I want to well, know. First who's of all, your- first of all, I'm not happy with Jay Wright because you know we worked together during the Final Four. Yep, and. I only had Kenny, Greg Gumbel, Clark Kellogg, Ernie, and guys like that sitting next to me. So I was good looking by default. <laughs> and then Jay brings his pretty ass into the studio. And then to the Final Four, I'm like, damn, that's a good looking man. <laughs> uh, but And I tell you what, I t- he ain't going to be dressing like that much longer, Mike, because he ain't getting them big ass Villanova checks anymore. So Jay Jay Wright wardrobe gonna start going downhill. Hey, yeah, we're not, I think you got hey, you got enough saved up. But where are you getting your stuff? Oh, I got a great tailor. If you need a tailor, I got a great. His, his name is K W Wong. He's one of the best. And you know what's crazy, Mike? <laughs> Where's he? In friend, Phoenix or Phoenix or up here? Uh, he's in Dallas and oh, Houston, Texas. Excuse me. But what's crazy? All my friends notice my suits don't fit me anymore. My suits are too big. I like yeah. Once I get through with this weight loss journey sometime this summer, I'm going to get a complete new wardrobe made this summer. But I says, I'm not going to get my suits worked on right now because they're not going to be fitting me anymore. I know they don't fit, fools, but I'm going to wear them to the end of the season. And then once the season's over, I'm going to get a new wardrobe made. Uh, but you know, they're looking good. KW Wong is doing a good job, man. Because you're looking sharp. You don't wear the same thing twice either, which means he, you know, he he's producing a lot of clothing for you and sending it to you. Hey, I got faith in my man. All right, last thing I want to talk to you about. I saw the movie Air the other night. I don't know if you've seen. Great, it. It's great, isn't it? I liked it. It was it was pleasant. But in it, in it, they're they're pursuing it. They need a guy. They want to pursue Jordan, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen because the Adidas thing. You're next up, and Barkley is the guy. You could have been the face of Nike, and all of a sudden Jordan comes back in on the back. Explain what went down in those days. Well, you know, I didn't know all the stuff was going on behind the scenes. So me and Michael went out to Nike, and they did their little presentation, and I was going to sign with him. And I guess Michael, I didn't know he had this thing where he was going to go to Adidas. And we kind of went our separate ways. But, you know, Nike signed me. I didn't know. It's so crazy. I think if I remember correctly, they were paying me like $75,000 a year if I remember correctly. Uh, And, you know, I didn't know they only had – I mean, guys wasn't making any money. Remember, Nike only had $250,000 apparently at Mm -hmm. that time. So um, it worked out great. I ended up getting my own shoe deal with Nike and ended up making millions. And Michael gave me some great advice one time because at the time I was making probably $3 million a year from Nike. We were playing golf one summer and he said, Chuck, why are you taking all that money from Nike? I said, what's wrong with money? He says, tell because Michael's always been a great businessman. And Mike, I probably made an extra 50, well, probably a hundred million dollars on this deal. 
He says, tell Nike you only want a million dollar cash and you want the rest and stock options. And I ran it by my people. They're like, how much confidence you got in yourself? And these, I, said, I got great faith in this dude, Michael Jordan. Trust me. I got great faith in this dude. And I t- we did it. And so Nike cut my salary from $3 million to a million, but they gave me a gazillion dollars in Nike stock options at $35, if I remember correctly. And it split at $100 probably. It's probably 25 times since then. So I probably made an extra $100 million because of some advice Michael gave me. So, Man, yeah. Well, you didn't do bad. I did, but, I did but it all right. Been, you could have been you, you could have been nothing. No, they don't Air they, Jordan. They, Air, is, jo- Air Jordan sounds a lot better than Air Chuck. Trust me. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Uh, it's a pleasure hooking up with you. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. Hey, 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 hey. So. So, you've been lying to me and ducking me for years. As soon as basketball over, we're going to play golf at your course. You've been ducking me. I've asked you a hundred times to play. You ask me when you know I'm busy. Well, you're not busy in the summer. I'm not, but you, no, you first of all, you wait to the end up. Hey, as soon as basketball is over, we're going to play. I'll be with you, brother. All right, I'm, and I'm getting Westbrook down to, to join that foursome. Oh, oh, of course. Westbrook you know, I love him, man. Of course. Hey, we might, hey, well, you know what we need to do? We need to get Mike Quick to take us over to Pine Valley. You know, he'd he be big time. He won't come out to the country anymore. Tell us to take us to Pine Valley. I'm okay with that. I've played Pine Valley twice. It's great, isn't uh, it? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you out. Me, you, and, and uh, Westbrook, and I'll, I'll get a fourth, fourth, and, and we'll finally do it. Let's All do right? it, brother. All right, man. Yo, I'm right here. The fourth, take your fourth, right here. Hey, Darren. You, you, hey, Darren. See what I have to deal with. See what I have to no, deal it, with. Really, man. He's a, that, I bust my ass for this guy yeah. all week, every week. I can't be in the force. He's a Come muni on. man, Chuck. He's a muni. <laughs> we can't have a muni man out. Come on. Well, hey, I look forward to seeing you guys as soon as this is over. Uh brother. Hey, you know what? You know what sucks about it? If the Sixers hadn't stuck up the joint, we could be doing this live. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Now we could be if, if the Sixers had I could have been at y'all house doing this. This we could have did it tomorrow on an off day and we could have been getting drunk while we were doing it. Yeah. That's that right. Been, that would have been perfect. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. Okay, guys, have a great day. Great Charles Barkley. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Darren. It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks so much to Charles Barkley. Man, it was good to talk to him. Uh, We made it a a yearly event uh, on the old radio station. And uh, uh, four hours we used to do. And that one hour had four hours of information in it. Chuck, always entertaining. Always great to talk to him. Uh, and that'll uh, just about do it for today's podcast. We hope everybody enjoyed the conversation with Charles Barkley. Thank you for for tuning into the show. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends and neighbors about the Mike Missinelli podcast. All you got to do is subscribe to it. Brought to us by Bet Rivers. You subscribe. It'll come to your inbox every time we do one. Uh, we have been doing a lot during the NBA playoffs, and now I don't even care. Uh, I'm predicting it would be uh, Denver and Boston and whoop-de-doo. Um, who cares? The Sixers are out, and it's rebuilding situation with a new coach like we go through every year. 
Uh, you can reach me uh, at Mike at MikeMiss.com. Don't forget, check out my website. It's MikeMiss.com and the website uh, email Mike at MikeMiss.com for any feedback you want to give me. Uh, Twitter, MikeMiss25. If you want a shout out on Cameo, you just go to Cameo. You type in my name. I'll give you a personal shout out. Uh, and don't forget about Natalie Vineyards. It's a great time. Great weather to get out there and and sip some wine outdoors among the vines at Natalie Vineyards, uh, which I am part owner of. I'm very proud of the wines we're producing. We're having events almost every weekend. And we have a big event coming up with me, uh, Mike Masnelli Cellar Talk. I'll be hanging out with the people from 1 to 4 on May 27th, a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully we get some good weather. But check out our website, NatalieVineyards.com, for all the events we have going on out there. Uh, and don't forget, MikeMiss.com is the website. Check out uh, all the latest things that I have going on. All right. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody, today. And we hope you enjoy Charles Barkley. We'll be at you next week. Have a great weekend. So Mike Missinelli talk is over. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.